This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Good afternoon, I'm Stuart Finlay. Welcome to the Life Study Program on Free FM 89.0. Life Study of the Bible is produced by Living Stream Ministry, Anaheim, California, and brought to you by the Church in Hamilton. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Scriptures. It's Chris Wilde and Francis Ball who join Witness Lee again this week for our program in the life study of 2 Samuel. The title is The History Concerning David, Crowned by the People to be the King for the Kingdom of God on Earth, David's Indulging Sin and God's Punishing Condemnation. The verses are 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 1 to chapter 12 verse 15a. If you'd like to contact us, our email is lifestudyprogram at gmail.com and we'll repeat this again later. Now just before we start. Between November the 30th and December 3rd, 2022, Bibles for New Zealand will be having a stand at the New Zealand Field Days, Mystery Creek, Hamilton. We'll be at Site 162 in the Rural Living Marquee and will be offering free copies of the recovery version of the New Testament with its thousands of study footnotes, along with a number of free books and other reading materials. We invite you to pop in and meet us and receive your free copy. Now here's Chris, Francis, and Witness Lee. Of all of the great figures in the Old Testament, none found more favor in the eyes of Jehovah than his beloved King David. David had a heart that matched God's heart, and therefore God was able to reveal the highest things to him. Yet in one critical area, David was weak, and this weakness remains even today as a dark blemish on the light of one of God's great servants. Even in the divine record, the Holy Word, both in the New and Old Testament, God has reminded us of David's fall. In 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 5, it says, Because David did what was upright in the sight of Jehovah, and did not turn aside from anything that he had commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Francis Ball has joined us as we come to this point in our life study of Second Samuel, Francis, and that is David's great failure. I'm glad that uh, I think it's the Lord's sovereign arrangement that you would be the one that would be here today for this message. I always feel comforted to have you when we have to touch <laughs> these kinds of subjects. Well, thank you. I'm always with fear and trembling yeah. when we touch any of these things. I think uh, most all who are listening, if they have any familiarity at all with the Bible and with the story of David, are aware that the great failure involved adultery and uh, David's involvement with this married woman named Bathsheba. But we want to focus more, I think, on some of the uh, surrounding details today. And 
the warning that is quite direct in the Holy Word, particularly in the way that it leaves the account, or the at least the reminder of this great sin of David's in this portion we read in First Kings, and we'll find out in a little bit later, also in the New Testament it's referred to. But it's more than just a simple case of adultery where David was tempted and committed a sin. He was scheming, he was trying to cover his tracks, and went to great lengths, even ultimately involving murder, to try to... Hmm keep his name clear of, of this evil. And the Lord exposed it. And of course, out of that exposure, we get the great psalm that has, I think, been a big help to many, many people through the years, Psalm 51, where David repents. And we mm-hmm. have so many of those phrases that have become familiar to all of us as a result. But this story has a lot of relevance, doesn't it, Francis, to all of us today, even. The thing that I noticed so much about this particular account is that it was at a time when David had gotten great recognition. He was a king of Israel. He had conquered all the nations around him. He's at peace. He's exalted. He can be at ease. And this is always a danger Mm -hmm. with any of us. If we get everything seems to be so rosy and so nice, the danger is we fall into our weakness, our temptations, all are taken advantage of at such a time. So I think this is a real warning today, not just a history lesson, but it's a warning to us today. Well, that very point you're raising is the one we're going to get into in this first segment of Witness Lisa sharing on this whole account. But I thought it would be helpful to read a, a couple of verses here in Second Samuel chapter 11. Now, we are after the sin of adultery, after the fact that it has come to David's ears that as a result uh, Bathsheba is now bearing a child. And uh, so David has done his best to try to uh, arrange for Uriah, her husband, to be returned from the battlefield temporarily and uh, anticipating that he would lodge with uh, his wife and that all of this could be kept in such a way that he would not be exposed. But Uriah doesn't cooperate, Mm -hmm. and his little scheme falls apart. And so he has to resort to more drastic measures, and that's the passage that I have now chosen. He has a general or an aide named Joab who uh, is uh, somewhat in command of the armies by now, And so David contacts Joab, and it says in chapter 11, verses 14 through 17, Then in the morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. So he even uses Uriah, the victim, to be the courier of this message. Wow. And he wrote in the letter saying, Put Uriah in the forefront of the hardest battle, and withdraw from him that he may be struck down and die. So when Joab besieged the city, he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew the valiant men were. And the men of the city went forth and fought with Joab, and some of the servants of David fell, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Just almost unfathomable, this man who had such a heart for the Lord, such a heart one with God, could uh, fall to this level, isn't it, Francis? It is. All right, let's join Witness Lee, and then we'll come back. Now we come to it the most black part of David's life. In the Bible, we are told this sin was considered by God as a unique sin. God, in the scripture, did say David was perfect in every way, but just in one thing, in this matter. You see, all the enemies conquered, subdued, all exalted David. Not only as the king of Israel, but as the king of so many subdued nations. So this became a very easy time to David. David committed that sin 
while he was in the bed. So we ought to know quite often when we are in a peaceful situation. And that would seduce us to the indulgence of our flesh. So it might be better to have the enemies always fighting, fighting, fighting. This kind of trouble may keep David from the indulgence of his flesh. But David was in peace. Don't expect to have life of ease. We all have to labor, to work, to toil. We need to be occupied. Don't have an easy time. If you do, you'll be seduced. And this also tells us, regardless how high attainment we could make in the spiritual pursuit, we still could commit such a sin. Compare David with Joseph, you know, what Joseph suffered. Yet he ran away, he escaped that adultery. But uh, David purposely got into this adultery. By this one sin, David broke all the five last commandments of the ten. From fornication to stealing, he told people lie. He was greedy. So David was very, very weak in this matter of the indulgence of the lust of the flesh. My goodness, Francis, uh, one sin, he breaks five commandments. You know, you touched this point in uh, our opening fellowship, and that is that the danger here arose when David was at ease, when he was at peace, when he was no longer threatened, and when he was prosperous and things were going quite well. Let's talk about that a bit. I think we all seek and long for those kinds of times, but those are the very ones when apparently we're the most vulnerable. It seems like that there's not any safety in getting at ease, <laughs> not having some trouble to either, either to keep you working or to keep you worrying. <laughs> so it's really necessary that we not give in to the natural feeling of wanting to be at peace, wanting to have ease, and not have any troubles. These are the times that the enemy could come in and tempt us just as he did with David. So this is not a pleasant thing to have to talk about, but this is a factual thing. We need to be on guard, and especially I would encourage those young ones in the Lord's work to be on guard, not looking for a peaceful, popular time, but just be willing to suffer very much under God's sovereignty and receive all the circumstances under God's hand and not let them take advantage of you. Yeah, he uh, encouraged us here to make labor and suffering our kind of safeguard against Mm -hmm. uh, undue temptation. I don't think we uh, typically view those things in that light, do we? No, that's not usually. We're looking for this kind of release from that kind of thing so Uh we can have more peaceful, restful times. But actually, the laboring times and the times when we're not so comfortable are much more helpful to us. Another point that struck me here was uh, this last point that he made, or near the end. No level of spiritual attainment will keep us free from these kinds of things. If uh, we've let ourselves drift into a situation or a condition where, you know, something could present itself. Uh, I mean, David had achieved the highest standing probably in the kingdom at that point, wouldn't you say? Yes, he had gotten the victory over all his enemies. Yeah. And he had subdued everyone, and he was made popular, and he rose to the height of popularity and looking to him as a real deliverer from all the enemies around. 
and even he became the king over all their nations. He uh, made a comparison to Joseph, uh, another one of the great figures in the Old Testament, who several hundred years prior to this was in a situation where he was uh, Mm -hmm. tempted. And Joseph fled and just immediately got out of that kind of situation. And and I think that is the pattern we need to be uh, very conscious of. Don't you concur in that? Yes, I certainly do. That's the time we need to really uh, be emboldened in our spirit. And even to the point that we consciously resist any kind of uh, temptation to get seduced and to get taken over by the enemy and by our lust. Well, I mentioned earlier on that uh, the Lord, in referring to David, both in the Old and New Testament, makes reference to this whole event. I read the verse at the very beginning from 1 Kings 5, where he pointed out that David's heart was perfect in everything except this matter of Uriah the Hittite. Now, in the very beginning of the New Testament, first chapter of Matthew in the genealogy, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And Jesse begot David the king, and David begot Solomon of her who had been the wife of Uriah. Mm. Uh, The Lord does not want us to forget this incident exactly. There's details I think that we should forget, but the warning certainly should never be forgotten. I think it's very significant that this shows up again in the New Testament, especially to say that David begot Solomon. We always admired Solomon as the builder of the temple and, and the man of wisdom. And he's the son of this kind of relationship. Wow. All right, let's join Witness Lee once again. You better read First Kings 15.5. There, God says, David's perfect, but just one thing, just one thing, God could never forget. And in the genealogy recorded in Matthew chapter 1, there it says, David brought forth Solomon, of the wife of Uriah. And such a break record, break spot, is there in the genuine genealogy of Christ. Look at his forefathers, Boaz. He was very, very control himself. Ruth showed herself to Boaz that way. Boaz was not seduced. Boaz was very behaving to keep himself clean from the indulgence of the flesh of sin. And that purity kept Boaz in the lineage of the genealogy of Christ. But eventually coming out became so black. Of course, David has a Psalm 51, a Psalm of David's repentance. I hope you all will read that Psalm. But even so, with myself, I would not give any kind of sympathy, any kind of excuse, no excuse to him. There's too much. It's altogether too much. That is not a human. That's a wild beast to damage people to that extent and even to damage his own attainment in history. There is a big, big black spot in his story. There is such a black, dark blemish in this demo. He was a great piece of demo, but there is such a foreign article in this demo. Too dark, too black. 
Francis, I think it's helpful to look at some of these details that maybe we don't uh, have the same level of familiarity with related to the sin and the reason that it remains such a dark black blemish mm-hmm. on this diamond. I mentioned that he had sent this note through his general or his aide Joab, instructing Joab to put Uriah out front where he would most likely be killed. Joab actually had a couple of communications back to David, and of course, here was the king, so he couldn't just say things too boldly, but he he made it quite clear that this was not right, what David was up to. And even Joab, at the end of the battle, when Uriah has been killed, now sends word back to David, and the way he instructs the messenger to bring the message to David reminds David once again that this was really not proper and not right. And yet David responds back to Joab in this way, and I'm still in chapter 11 now, and now it's quite meaningful. Then David said to the messenger, Thus shall you say to Joab, Mm. Do not let this matter displease you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Mm. Strengthen your fighting against the city and overthrow it and encourage him. So here David is trying to persuade Joab, uh, don't be bothered, Don't this shouldn't be a problem in your conscience, which indicates at that point it hadn't become yet a problem in yeah, David's conscience. Right. Talk about that and how important our conscience is in, uh, in a, at a time like this. Well, I think at least most of us would realize that something of this nature would certainly bother a redeemed conscience, a conscience that's been enlivened. And for him to treat it like this and even to... Uh, try to appease Joab and make him comfortable in carrying this kind of message out for him, there is this dullness mm-hmm. to David's conscience to uh, let this go by when he's fully aware of what he's done, and he really realizes that he made this plan, and he fulfilled this plan to eliminate the husband of this woman. So this is really a sad story, but it is a true story, and it is a warning story that needs to affect all of us, that when we're in our flesh, we're capable of any kind of sin. The only salvation we have from our sinful living and our lustful life is the regenerated spirit that's in our spirit and would occupy us and bother our conscience so that we would not allow such a a way out Mm. as uh, David has chosen. Of course, before getting to such a condition, a situation where this kind of temptation could overtake. Witness Lee, on a, several occasions I can recall through the years we've been doing this program, we've, we've mentioned this before, and uh, in this program or in this message, Witness Lee once again mentioned how critical it is, a principle that he followed so steadfastly and encouraged all of the co-workers, all of the young ones, to follow the same principle, and that is just never allow yourself to be in a situation where you are alone with a member of the opposite sex to whom you're not married. And this is just a a principle that should really be followed quite strictly, wouldn't you say, by all of God's people? Yes, this is not a matter just of uh, overcoming a temptation. This is a matter of not giving a temptation a chance so that we don't put ourselves in that kind of position. David had a prophet named Nathan who had helped him very much in earlier in the book. Nathan was very valuable in bringing David the kind of revelation that God was really desirous of showing him, and that is that in the universe, what all men need is to have God build himself into them. Yeah. Uh, but in this instance, the Lord uses Nathan once again to expose David, sharpen his conscience, and really bring uh, the Lord's feeling about this sin very, very present to mm-hmm. David. An interesting way he did it, I'll try to summarize this quickly because our time is fleeting, but Nathan approaches David and he says to him, two men lived in a city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one small ewe lamb, which he had bought 
and he nourished it, and it grew up together with him and his children. It ate of the morsels of his food, and drank of his own cup, and lay on his bosom. Indeed, it was like a daughter to him. And there came a traveler to the rich man. But the rich man refused to take something from his own flock and herd to dress for the wayfarer who had come to him. But he took the poor man's ewe lamb and dressed it for the man who had come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As Jehovah lives, the man who has done this is worthy of death. And he shall restore the ewe lamb fourfold because he has done this thing and because he has no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Mm. And oh, the, my. <laughs> and the light dawned. Yes. <laughs> and out of that then came Psalm 51. Mm-hmm. Marvelous word and some real wisdom by this prophet Nathan, wasn't it, Francis? And very faithful. Yeah. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The prophet were raised up to help the king. Nathan came to tell David a story. And this story was a parable used by Nathan to lead David to condemn himself of what he did. You know, after Nathan telling such a story, right away, David condemned the one. Then Nathan said, you are this man. You are this man. So he got subdued. According to my observation for so many years, in Christianity, a good number of giant preachers got devastated by their indulgence of the flesh. By the matter of sex. So, I like to tell you, as a young man or as a young lady, you should not be with another sex privately, close the door and close the window to talk. You stay in a private room to talk to another sex. You would not be, and you could not be seduced? No, impossible. God said, David, you did this secretly. I'll expose you openly. When the sun is bright, David confessed his sin against Jehovah. And Nathan said to him that Jehovah had put away his sin. Yes, but still remember him. David would not die. That was a mercy. I thought he should die according to what he did. And according to the last five commandments of the law, David should be stoned to death. Nevertheless, because he had given the enemies of Jehovah much occasion to blaspheme him, the son who was born to him would surely die. That was the son born of his idolatry. God would not allow such a thing to live. Learn of David, not only learn of him on the positive side. We have to learn of him on the negative side. Francis, we only have about a minute left, but his last word here, we need to learn of David on the negative side as well as on the positive side. Certainly we've had much to learn from his heart, his positive feeling toward the Lord and uh, the kind of person he was. But in this area, it's critical, isn't it, that we take this warning seriously because there were implications even in David's lifetime. And even today, I would imagine... Whenever this word is read, and the wife of Uriah, David must have some feeling, even to this day. Yes, he must. And I think this is a very timely warning that we are not in a position where we should open ourselves to any opportunity for the enemy to stir up this kind of indulgence or this kind of lust. That we keep ourselves pure 
This is the real warning I think should go to all the servants of the Lord, especially those who consider themselves something like David. They're in a peaceful situation. They have gained a lot of victories. Now they're in danger of giving in to a lustful desire. This is a real warning for us to keep ourselves pure. Amen. In one uh, way, this somewhat ends the life study of uh, 2 Samuel. We have another program, which is very much an overview program, a marvelous summary of the very high things that the Lord revealed through Samuel. Thank you, Francis, for all the times you've been able to be with us uh, in this life study. I've appreciated every one of them. That's been my pleasure. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you very much for listening. Today we heard a strong warning. David was enjoying a life of ease. Ease is a big spoiler, and during a time of ease, this sin was committed. We need to labor, toil, and suffer. Instead of damaging us, suffering may help us. We need to be occupied with either laboring or suffering. David's sin was the issue of his indulging in the lust of his eyes and the lust of the flesh. This was a real insult to God. David's sin nearly annulled all his attainments from the past. Both Joseph and Boaz were mentioned. Joseph was tempted, but he ran and escaped from adultery. Boaz, David's forefather, also kept himself clean from the indulgence of the flesh of sin. This purity kept Boaz in the line of the genealogy of Christ. Though David was a person of high attainment in his spiritual pursuit, he was still able to commit such a great sin. What a warning to us all. Remember, we're happy to hear from you and answer any questions you may have. We have copies of the recovery version of the New Testament with its accompanying footnotes available, and these are free. We'd love to send you a copy. You can call us on Hamilton 853-2620 or email us at lifestudyprogram at gmail.com. If you'd rather, you can order a free copy from Bibles for New Zealand at bfnz.org.nz. They also have a phone number, 0800 40 40 80. Or else you can come and see us at Field Days and pick up your free copy of the Bible at Site 162 in the Rural Marquee. Join me again next week at the same time when we will have the next life study in 2 Samuel. Today our closing hymn is To the Foe My Word Is Always No and it's from the CD Enter the Veil.
You're listening to Free FM 89.0, a great station supported by New Zealand On Air. We hope you've enjoyed today's life study program and thank you for joining us. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.